Hi and hello, Watch fans. Welcome to episode 46 of Fratello On Air, also known as Wasp 5.0. That's right, we're five episodes into our fresh and tasty pod column, Watching Sports and Sporting Watches, handily abbreviated to Wasp. I'm your host, Rob Nudds, and I'll be joined today by my charming compadre, Balaj. On today's show, we're going to whiz around the top four professional sports leagues in North America, with both Balaj and I choosing our favorite players and some special watches for them on and off the field. I can't do this alone, so let's welcome to the smooth booth the other half of the R&B hosting duo, Balaj. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Rob. What's up, buddy? You good? You <laughs> I, like that, don't you? I like that, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, eating the microphone. I'm good, man. How are you? You're, uh, you seem to be um, a bit off the grid when it comes to your health these days. I'm... I'm I'm busting myself from uh, from morning to night. I've uh, got a crazy training regime at the moment, and uh, I'm having physio for the first time, effectively on my uh, dodgy back. And uh, every time I go to the gym, the physio is uh, identifying a new flaw in my physique, and uh, he's adjusting the training program accordingly. But it's uh, it's tying me in knots, so I'm sort of hobbling around in between these sessions, which I'm having twice a week at the moment, and then. Uh, running and uh, resistance training in between that. And uh, I, I feel like a, a broken man, but it's all for a good cause, I think. Why would you do that? Why would you have this crazy training regime? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's kind of inbuilt in me. My dad made me start running when I was three years old and I never stopped. Uh, I've never been particularly good at it, surprisingly, considering how long I've been doing it. But it's, yeah, it's just, a, it's a, I suppose it's one of my better habits, but it's just another habit to add to the long list. Okay. And you got, the, the gym's open, so you can actually go to the gym and train, which is which is a rarity in Germany these days. Well, the gym is not technically open. It's only open because I have physio prescribed by a doctor. Uh, so I get to go. I have to wear a mask all the way through. The gym is completely deserted. I'm allowed to like turn up to the session early and stay late so I can work out either side of my contact time with the physio himself. And uh, yeah, it's a real blessing, to be honest, and I've become a bit hooked on it again. I haven't been a regular gym user for years since I stopped playing American football. Yeah, I've been mm. bitten by the bug once more. So as soon as Corona's over, I think I'm going to join the gym and uh, go back to it. I have, I have my eyes set on uh, attempting a world record in a couple of years' time, a world record of my own design, uh, which mm. means that if I complete the challenge, I might actually be able to get the record. And it's, it involves a lot of uh, paddleboarding and kayaking and pack boating, maybe, uh, in, in Snowdonia. So I'm working okay. towards that. I'm working towards that. There is a goal in mind. It's not just for vanity, far from it. I look terrible, but you know. I've, I've been there in the Snowden. Yeah. Where, where did you go? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next I question. Can't re- <laughs> no, I can't remember. To be honest, it was probably oof, 16, 17 years ago. I was just out of high school. And a friend of mine, I think he was about to graduate. He was a year below me. And he, his class went on a class trip to the UK. And then we also went to Wales. And then we went up to the Snowden um, for a few days. So I was there and uh, we stayed at this um, hostel or whatever student house on the side of, 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 the, um, of the mountain. And then we took like a day hike or two day maybe two day hike up and then back so it was nothing crazy but but it was uh, but but you usually don't do that right when you go to the uk as a european to visit you don't really go to this to to the snowden i'll uh, i'll believe that if you tell me that i guess you go to like liverpool you know manchester newcastle london maybe uh southampton that kind of stuff scotland obviously but 
Wales. I love Wales. I think it's a beautiful country, but it's not the usual European um, tourist destination. No, for sure. And uh, maybe that's uh, a good thing for Wales. It would be inundated if, if the Europeans knew how beautiful it was, especially on a sunny day, which of course are few and far between, but it is uh, the greatest place in the world, in my opinion. And we spend a lot of time there, me and my family. My dad is an avid runner and fell runner. My mm -hmm. brother is a very talented hill runner as well. And uh, we go down there all together. And uh, generally, I, I watch them complete superhuman feats of endurance while I'm sitting in the back of the car, you know, pouring tea for them and whatnot. But occasionally I try and partake myself. Hopefully, if this training regime works out, I'll be able to partake in a little bit more of that kind of thing, which is very nice. nice. Yeah, that would be nice for me to, to you know, to go back, check it out with you oh, well, if we yeah. can travel, because it's really been a long time. I have to look up the city where we've been. I, I can't even remember it anymore, but... It would be wonderful. But in the meantime, of course, we have to entertain ourselves in other ways. And I believe that we've both been watching a little bit more television, live streams and whatnot than we usually would. And uh, you've been watching something on Netflix that you'd like to share with our listeners, right? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm completely hooked, I have to say. I'm, I'm not really a Netflix guy. I mean, I do watch things on Netflix, um, but I watch things on, on Amazon and, and other stuff. And I do read as well, by the way actually read i have a uh you know goodreads this website and there's an app as well you can like uh you can read books and then you can save the books you've read and and set up challenges and stuff and so my challenge is uh to read 10 books this year and i'm on book number seven it's only march so i'm on a roll so i do read uh but i watch a lot of stuff too and um you know i came across uh this show which is absolutely not a new show called uh, last chance you and then there is another sideshow, uh, Last Chance U Basketball. Because Last Chance U, as in university, is, is, uh, is on its fifth season now. What I hate about Netflix is when you start watching a show, it always starts with the latest season, which is stupid. Because I was like halfway through the season when I realized, oh, this is the fifth one. I have to go back to the first one. But luckily, that season is actually not, it's a new story, so it's not dependent on the previous season. But it's five seasons now. First two seasons is about one team. And then the third and the fourth is about another team. And the fifth, which I watched, as I said, uh, initially is about a third team. And these are community colleges. I don't need to explain this to you how that system works with uh, Division I football programs and community colleges. And it basically um, tells the story, the first two seasons uh, about Mississippi, I think. And then the third and the fourth season about a school in Kansas. And the fifth is about East LA Community College. So it's in California. And then there's a sub-series, as I said, The Last Chance U Basketball, which tells a story about a basketball program. Same community college thing. It's, um, it's very interesting. It's entertaining um, for a sports fan, but also if you're just, you know, um, a fan of, of I, I guess maybe it's stupid to say, but like education and see how people deal with these young men who are on the one hand, obviously 19, 20, 21, 22. So they're physically adults, right? Grown up big guys, especially the football program. But mentally, sometimes they're still in, in like high school level and, you know, you need to mentor them and tutor them and teach them. And not only about sports and not only about the, the academics, but also about life and how to talk to coaches, how to talk to people and it's um it's a very interesting TV show. So I um I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm now on the 
last two seasons or the third and the fourth season. So I'm on the last team, basically. So you're catching uh, up. You've got all the way through, well, seasons one, two, and now you're yeah, into... F- five and the basketball program as well. And I, I need to finish the season uh, three and four, which is about this Kansas um, football program. There you have it, Wasp fans. If you are looking for something new to check out on Netflix, right? Netflix, yeah. Go ahead and uh, tune into Last Chance You. Yeah, start start some season season one, and the the interesting thing is if you love football like like you do, you might see some familiar faces because season one is I think from 2015. So some of the guys who were community college students back then are in the NFL now. Crazy. So you can see them at age 19, 20, uh, and it's really cool. You can Google them, and you can you know the guy's like 19 is like oh, I want to be in the league and do this and that, and then you Google and you see yes, he's actually he made it. He's in the league. Or sometimes you Google the name and then, yeah, the guy never made it. There's this cool stories and, and sad stories as well, obviously. But yeah. Sounds like a roller coaster. So hopefully our whiz around the leagues today won't be quite so emotionally draining for our listeners, but hopefully it will be an uplifting jaunt. We're going to talk about our superstar players from the NFL, NHL, MLB, and NBA. And we've done it slightly differently. So we did have a chat about this the other day to try and uh, come up with a concept for Wasp 5.0. And uh, Balaj nailed the concept. And I, I don't know what happened. I went into some kind of, I just must have been hallucinating and did something completely different. But what we have done is that I've picked two players, players I like, characterful players from each of the four leagues. And I've given them both a perfect watch. Balaj, on the other hand, has picked one player from each of the four leagues and given them an on-field and off-field or on-court and off-court watch. So something they could wear theoretically were they allowed to wear a watch on the field of play and something that they would wear when they are either relaxing or socializing or, I don't know, attending functions. We're going to find out when we dive into it. Which league shall we approach first, Balaj? Let's start with the NFL. Okay, good choice. Uh, So because I have two, I'll throw out the first one on my list. And this is just a quick one. Um, I picked a player that comes under, I think, a lot of unfair scrutiny. Um, That's Derek Carr, the quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, formerly based in Oakland, of course. Carr gets a lot of stick, a lot of criticism. He's often referred to as kind of a median quarterback you know someone that is maybe a better than average starter but not a difference maker not someone that's going to lead your team over the hump to a championship but I think it's really unfair I think if you actually watch Carr play and certainly when he's on form he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league Um, he certainly has the arm talent and he seems to be a very savvy guy Uh, I think a lot of his problems stem from the fact he is a little inconsistent he sometimes goes missing and we don't want him to go missing. So uh, we want a watch that um, is designed for people who often find themselves in unusual environments, maybe, and uh, you know, somewhere they don't want to be. They want to get back to where they need to be. And it has to coordinate with his Oakland Raiders uh, uniform, which is black and white, mostly. But more importantly, I think it has to connect with Carr as a person and be a watch that is often not given as much credit as I think it deserves. And this may be a little bit of a controversial pick, given the brand, but I've given him the Rolex Explorer 2 black dial because I think when it comes to the current Rolex catalog, all of the uh, attention goes to the GMT Master 2 
or the Submariner. Uh, you get a lot on the Daytona as well, of course. Then after that, people tend to touch on the Sea Dweller, maybe talk about the Datejust. But the Explorer 2, which is still relatively uh, quite a well-priced Rolex, uh, cheaper than a Submariner these days, of course, uh, doesn't really get the love that it deserves. So I've given that to Derek Carr because I think that could be a good constant companion for him through the ups and downs of the NFL season. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, remind him that he is truly a luxury quarterback. Not to mention that if they travel a lot, you can use the GMT function. Right. That is a that is a really nice addition to that watch, which is why I think it's a good value Rolex in comparison mm-hmm. to something like the Submariner. I wouldn't say I used to hate the Explorer 2, but I didn't used to love it as much as, as I do now, to be honest. I think it's a really cool watch. I, I would also go with the Black Dial version. I'll, there's something funky and nice about the, the steel bezel. You know, it's one of those watches that at least until a few years ago, it used to fly under the radar. So I think it's uh, for somebody like him, who's, uh, uh, as you said, a very loyal down-to-earth guy. He's been with the team since his first season. So he's very loyal to his team. Even when they moved, obviously he stayed with them. It's a good choice. You know what I'd like to see, though? I think that he would wear it really well on a black Everest rubber band. Because you don't see that very often. You don't see the Explorer put on other other bands. And I think because of the steel bezel on steel case, it can handle that a lot better than some of the other Rolexes. It might look a bit busy or a bit too ostentatious. Like if you stuck a GMT Master 2 on a colorful NATO, it would just be an explosion of color for the mm. most part. And I just think that's, that's a bit naff. But if you put that Explorer like on a, on a black band, it might reduce the size or at least the visual impact of the watch a bit because it's a 42 millimeter case, which is my one gripe with the Explorer 2. I wish it was still a 40 millimeter case like the preceding model. Mm-hmm. And if they do do an update to the Explorer 2, which I think must be coming, at some point it must be coming because it hasn't been touched for a while, I reckon they're going to do something different with the case. That they, might, they might shrink it to 41 to match it to the new Submariner. I don't think they're going to grow it. I can't imagine it will drop all the way back to 40, but I'm concerned that they might do something silly with the bezel. I've seen a lot of mock-ups from uh, our friends from other blogs, uh, especially putting a black ceramic bezel on the Explorer 2. And I think it looks a bit naff. I don't like it. Mm. And I hope they don't do that. But if they do do that, if Rolex does decide to update the Explorer 2, the current model, which is a very handsome and still underrated piece in both our opinions, will drop out of the catalog. So it could suddenly explode from being a relatively affordable Rolex to something that you just can't get for love nor money. Now, good luck getting one from an AD if you want one. But that might be a decent one to stick your name on a waiting list for right now before it does get discontinued. Yeah. So tell me, who have you got from the NFL? Have you gone modern day or have you gone for a throwback? The thing is, uh, I went, now that I look at my list, I went with, with throwback players. I don't know why. But anyways, so my pick for the football league is Deion Sanders. Nice. Prime time. Neon Dion. <laughs> whatever you want to whatever nickname you want to call him. You know, we, w- we wanted to go with colorful people, right? And by colorful, sometimes I, I took it word for word. Sometimes I try to associate the personality with colorful. In any case, uh, I think Dion Sanders is as colorful as it gets. Oh, yeah. A guy who, who uh, you know, who was in football from 89 to 2005 and simultaneously in the major league baseball as well 
from 89 to 2001. So he got a crazy long career as a basketball, uh, sorry, as a baseball player and a football player at the same time. Not only that, but he was a defensive back and a wide receiver. He played a bit of special teams as well, right? He returned some kicks in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if he was also the ball boy and uh, got the <laughs> towels and everything that a team needs. Because yeah, he's he's um, he's really amazing. You know, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, right? Um, eight-time Pro Bowl participant. So. As I said, he's as colorful as it gets. He is a special character. Yeah, and, and he's a producer. He's a he's in TV now. He's an analyst. He has his own company. So he's, he does a lot of things. So I picked two watches on the court and off the court, or on the field in this case and off the field. And obviously, when I f- mean on the field, it doesn't necessarily mean that a watch that he can play with. But you know, I we we wanted to be joyful with these picks. So my on-field watch for him is the Mont Blanc uh, 1858 split-second chronograph in the new lime gold color. Ooh. It's a big watch, right? We just covered it not too long ago on, on Fratello, and I know because I wrote the article. It's a big watch. It's a 44-millimeter watch, I think. It's a split-second chronograph, and I think it's a, you know, it's a beautiful piece. It's a classy watch, and Dion Sanders doesn't strike me as the guy who's you know, into fancy rainbow Daytonas, although he might be. So I think that would be that would be the perfect watch for him on the field. Well, it's an interesting one because Deion Sanders had two very distinct personalities, right? So he had primetime, which was his football playing personality. And that guy, that guy probably would rock pretty much anything you could imagine when it comes to extravagance and diamonds and frosted gold on the dial or something like that. But his baseball personality, Dion, was just like, you know, regular old Dion, just a humble regular team player. So this watch is a nice balance between those two because it's got a little bit of razzle-dazzle with the lime gold, but it's, uh, it's not too much. There's no, there's no flashiness. There's no stone set on the bezel or the dial. It's a, it's a good one. It's nice. And it's a really weird addition. It's funny that Mont Blanc brought that out so recently, given that the following week, we had the new bronze gold alloy released by Omega in, in its new Seamaster 300 range. What do you make of that watch? I haven't seen it in real life, obviously, only in the pictures, but I like the steel better, judging by the pictures. Interesting. So if you remove the price from the equation, because the, the bronze gold Omega Seamaster 300 is 11,500 euros, and the um, steel Seamaster 300 with a black dial on a strap is 6,100, and with a blue dial on a bracelet is 6,500. You would choose the steel over the bronze gold, regardless of price. I think so. Yeah, interesting. To me, it's just it's just more neutral. The steel one, you know, you can wear it with more more uh, things than than the gold, the bronze gold. And would you take the blue dial or the black dial? Because that blue dial is quite a vibrant blue. You'd go for black. Hmm. I like the blue, but I would go with the black, as close to the original as possible. That is nice. I like what they've done with those watches. Um, I go in slightly off off sports topic, but we can do that because we're fratellowatches.com and this is our bread and butter. I'm a fan of them mixing the sandwich dial open Arabic numerals with the lollipop second hand, which I don't always like. I wrote the release article for the blue dial 300 and I, I openly said that the lollipop for me, it either works or it really doesn't. And it depends on the watch. It's on a watch-by-watch watch basis. And on that one, I think it's really, really neat. And I think it's really nice. And the bronze gold doesn't have that, which RJ took as a positive. And I think is a little bit of a shame, actually. But uh, I like the look of that material. And it's really interesting. 
because it's 37.5% gold, which means that it qualifies as nine carat gold. So it isn't, it is bronze, but it's also gold. Interesting, for something to be bronze, it has to have at least 50% of copper in its makeup, which this watch does have. So it's as, it's as little bronze and as little gold as you could have to be both simultaneously. And then the addition of noble metals, um, well, palladium, gallium, and uh, a bit of silver in there as well, is what retains that color, which is apparently bang slap in the middle of the moonshine gold, the yellow gold that you'll see on RJ's uh, Speedmaster he wears frequently, and also the Sedna gold, which was on the recently released Speedmaster Moonwatchers in January. So interesting stuff, totally new material. It's patent pending at the moment, I believe. It will be interesting to see if any other brands follow in their footsteps. What do you think? Which brand do you have in mind? Well, I think Panerai's been doing a lot of really interesting stuff with materials recently, and I'm a big fan of the stuff that we got a chance to see in Geneva last year. I like the gold tech, obviously, but what I really like is this new 3D printed, like hollow titanium uh, cases. I never thought I would like them. I thought that I would see it as a bit of a departure from the traditional watchmaking I generally prefer, but I was just so taken by the finish they managed to get on these cases after they'd come out of the 3D printing process that I was somewhat won over and I'm just fascinated. I'm not saying any of those Panerai's are for me. I would definitely wear that 42mm Goldtex submersible. I think that's gorgeous and that looks really, really nice oh, yeah. on my wrist. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm watching with interest from afar and I can't wait to see what they do next. And since Panerai really started the modern bronze trend with the Bronzo, um, which was released 10 years ago now, right? It was 2011, I think. If not more, yeah. Crazy stuff, crazy. So um, yeah, maybe they're going to be the ones to follow suit, maybe. Uh, or maybe they'll push it in a completely new direction. Who's who's going to rule out somebody mixing platinum with bronze next, you know? who's Who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, Panerai is also um, making carbon watches, which is what we saw uh, from Doxa a few weeks ago, the new carbon sub 300s, uh, forged carbon cases, which seems to be a material that's uh, that's coming into the industry because those pieces were limited. I mean, the the previous Doxa was a limited edition. These pieces are not, so you can get them for a fairly okay price and in six colors, ten iterations. So there's there's plenty to choose from. But well, maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Nice. Good. I'm looking forward to that because uh, I'm a fan of forged carbon. Much better than carbon fiber. Okay, so the Mont Blanc 1858 split second chronograph lime gold was the on-field. And then the off-the-field watch was the JLC Reverso Tribute Duo-Face Tourbillon. Wow, that's a classy piece. And it's a duo face, see? Because baseball and football. Ah, well, that's That's clever. why I get the split second. It's splitting his time between football and baseball. Ah. Duo face, because, hello. Very nice. Yeah. Very so nice. It's a cool watch. It's, uh, he can wear it when, with one face when he's going for a football event, and then he can swap it over with the other face when he's going to a baseball event. You know what you could do? You know how, like, Jaeger allow you to have your own emblem or crest engraved on the solid back? of many reversos well although we now have these duo faces that have a time-telling face on both sides forsaking the closed case back which would normally be where you'd have your family crest or whatever i mean i don't have a family crest but if you have one definitely put it on there how about dion 
goes down a little bit of a, shall we say, H. Moser Swiss Alp kind of route and has two closed casebacks, um, no time whatsoever. He just has two closed casebacks and he has uh, the emblem of each team he's playing for on them. So he can flip as he goes from press conference yeah. to press conference. As long as it's a minute repeater and he can listen to the time, <laughs> yes. why not? Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's yeah, the Moser concept, right? It works. It totally so that's works. The, yeah, that's the reversal, the Gégé Le Coult reversal tribute, duo face, tourbillon, duo face, no face, tourbillon. <laughs> duo face, X no Moser. Face. <laughs> right, I got another, yeah, that- I've got another addition for you. Okay, so do you remember that rare Jaeger reversal that had a power reserve indicator, I think it was, on the on the back through a little sort of glass bubble that could be viewed. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay, so Dion's number was 21, okay? And yeah. he's not the most, shall we say, uh, demure of characters. So rather than having a power reserve showing like eight hours, seven hours, six hours, five hours left, whatever, we could have just the number 21 cycling through over and over and over again. You will never run out of power. Never run out of power. He's always on time. He's always on time. always 21 hours. Yeah. That would be a good one. And that would fit his character, I think. That would be a good one. So yeah, these are my two picks. I'm, I hope you're happy with them. I am very happy. I think that was brilliant. Um, I'm a little bit uh, sorry that I didn't um, do the same on and off court as we'd planned, but I have a, another football player for you. Especially since it was your idea, by the way. Was it? <laughs> oh, dear, I'm, I'm yes. Did oh. it was your idea. Yeah, well, who's oh. your second pick then? Okay, my second pick um, is, uh, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, so uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not, well, let's, let's, let's be fair, he's, he's not a Hall of Fame-bound quarterback. He is the journeyman of journeymen. Uh, he is uh, the only man to have thrown a touchdown pass for eight different teams. Just crazy. Fitzpatrick, otherwise known as Fitz Magic, because of how he catches fire occasionally and performs out of his skin and really does look like a Hall of Famer in those moments. Um, he was drafted in 2005, and since then he's played for eight teams. He's just signed for the Washington football team, which will be his ninth pro team when he takes a snap for them in September, come the start of the season. He is the presumptive starter. One assumes he will throw at least one touchdown pass, barring injury or other catastrophe this year. So he'll be he will be extending his already solo record of having thrown for uh, thrown touchdown passes for eight different teams to nine, which is absolutely crazy. And despite the fact he isn't a Hall of Famer, and uh, he uh, he hasn't put together a, a glittering resume on the stat sheet or in the win column, he is an incredibly popular character with uh, everybody on the field and around the league because he's just so compelling. And uh, he, he really can lift a team out of the doldrums when it's necessary. So I have given him the Constantine Jack and Joker, but I have made a serious modification to this because, you know, Constantine makes these pieces one off if necessary for clients yeah. that apply and they can have their own facial characteristics or whatever their interests woven into the design of the wristmon. So my thing for Fitzpatrick is that instead of the moon phase complication that we have at the bottom, normally displayed via the wristmon's mouth, I'm going to replace it and have a beard phase complication. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to say it's going to, the beard's going to come. I'm sure so about it. Fitzpatrick, if anyone's not aware of who he is, he's famous for having an enormous beard. 
And uh, he definitely doesn't cut it throughout the season, which is a, a trope um, that many pro athletes uh, subscribe to, especially in the playoffs. You get playoff bids. You know, you have it in hockey, you have it in football. I think you even have it in baseball sometimes where teams agree to not shave until they get knocked out or ultimately win the title. Okay? For sure. So Constantine's got history of having a similar kind of uh, complication built into the wrist one already. Okay, so there was a limited edition Constantine, Jackin, Joker, Dracula special edition. And mm-hmm. what happened was that I believe every day, at like as, as the watch approached midnight, small teeth would poke down into the moon phase aperture, like his fangs would extend, and then they would retract again um, in time for daylight to rise. So a completely useless, but beautifully animated, jovial complication for which Constantine is, is very well known. So I thought, okay, so he's got this kind of capacity already, but how am I going to make this relevant to Ryan Fitzpatrick? So I'm going to have to get rid of the moon phase and the fangs entirely and go with a similar kind of principle. What so I the need, beard would grow? The beard grows, okay? And it grows, it grows there's one or two ways it, it could grow. It's either like a, a colored, a disc with two colors on it, like a gradient color from like a flesh color to brown color, for example. And the dial is perforated in many places so that this disc creeps into view and like, you know, the shadow slowly grows around his face as the season goes on. So I want it to work over 18 weeks, over an 18 week period. And you could either, you could do it one of two ways mechanically, because you have to take into consideration that the eyes need to remain so the time can be told. So having a centrally mounted disc that would rotate continuously around the dial wouldn't work because you need the pivots of the eyes to go through that disc, okay? So it could work if you had that kind of setup with a retrograde function where it progresses for 18 weeks in one direction and then snaps back at the end of 18 weeks to a clean-shaven Fitzpatrick, (laughs) which would be awesome, but I can't even imagine the kind of stress that would be on that retrograde mechanism if it was building up enough tension over 18 weeks to fire it back into position. Possible, I'm sure. I think the easier way to do it would be to have the disc as a a, a loop and the pivots can go through the inner side of it, but the disc is mounted on a orbital track. So, you know, like on the Bulgari Octofinissimo automatics they have now, they have the rotor weight mounted around the outside of the movement. So it's not on top of it, it's around the outside. So it has the the teeth around the outside of the movement. You can do that with with dates as well, like an orbital date, and you could do it with... uh, you could even do it with a power reserve if you wanted to like gear it up that way. People tend not to, but it is possible. Um, so what I've got is a beard disc, which either works through perforations or through a colored sapphire that sort of shifts the, the gradient underneath the dial. So he goes from completely clean shaven on day one of a season, and then it grows the entire beard out until the last night of a season as the Washington football team who at this point will only need to avoid defeat against the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East, fall in devastating fashion to a last-second two-point conversion run in by an untouched Dak Prescott, giving Jerry Jones a non-fatal heart attack that inspires the Cowboys to gallop all the way to the team's first Super Bowl since the triplets third at the end of the 95 season in January 96, and ensures that the playoffs continue to elude Ryan Fitzmagic, who will have played for nine teams by that time and never into the postseason. Crazy, right? All of your picks are going to be this long. We're going to have a five-hour-long podcast. All but right. I hope that Konstantin Chaikin was listening and he took some notes. 
I'll and God knows, picture. maybe maybe if they get to the Super Bowl, man, the watch will be ready by then. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I've been talking to him recently about creating a special wrist mon as it is, but maybe I'll fire another set of drawings along to him with the, the Ryan Fitzmagic um, retrograde beard. The growing beard. The growing beard. It's great. It's never been done before. Of course, why would it? It's completely useless and ridiculous, but it is in the spirit of this podcast. So to speed right. things along, I'm going to hop over to the NHL. My first pick is Marc-Andre Fleury, and I want to give him a Vacheron Constantine Metier d'art. Da? Metier da? My French pronunciation coming in again. It's like a weekly occurrence, a weekly embarrassment for me. It's a good thing you don't have many French words in the watch industry. <sighs> I know. Otherwise, right? you would be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I should have picked something else mm-hmm. as a career. Oops. Anyway, I want to give him, because his name means flower, right? Fleury, mm-hmm. right? Like when we nickname him Flower. So I want to give him one of these um, VCs with a flower, a beautiful. Um, I guess it's a croisienne, croisienne enamel dial with a flower on it. And they made some gorgeous ones. They never made flower dials without diamond bezels, which annoyed me a bit because I, I was like, I would love one of these. At least if they did, I couldn't find one in their back catalog. I trolled through article upon article looking for one, nothing doing. Way back in 2013, they had a trio of enameled flower dials, all with diamond bezels, and they were enameled by Anita Porsche. And she's very well thought of in the enameling community. It's a beautiful watch. Um, okay, Marc-Andre Fleury, is a, a, he's a goalkeeper for the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe it's not what you'd expect to see on his wrist, but it matches with his name. And that's my pick for him. Who is your NHL superstar and what do they wear on the ice? Yeah, I went to the goalkeeper as well. Nice. And he's my, um, one of my favorite goalkeepers, obviously, for my favorite team. Um, and he's not an active player anymore. And that guy is Dominic Hasek, the dominator from many teams, including the Detroit Red Wings, which, uh, where he, he won um, the Stanley Cup two times. He's a, a, a Czech goalkeeper who played in the, uh, in the NHL from 1990 to, until 2008, but he's been active since 1980 until 2011 he had a 31 year old active professional career which is crazy that is amazing that is amazing 1990 to 2008 he was in the nhl and then for three years after that i think he was in europe somewhere russia maybe or or the czech republic and before of course before he was drafted i mean he went over he was playing 10 years already in in the czech republic or what czechoslovakia at the time so uh yeah he he had a, a crazy long career and as I said, he's a two-time champion, uh, 2001, 2002, and uh, 2007-2008 season with the Red Wings. So he had two stints with them. And he played, well, he started with the Chicago Blackhawks, right? And then went Buffalo, and then Detroit, and then Ottawa, and then I think Detroit again, and then he left um, the NHL. And uh, I think in 2002, he became the first European-trained goalkeeper to win a Stanley Cup. And that's important because there are a lot of European players in the NHL, right? There's a lot of Scandinavians and Czech and, and Russians and things like that. But most of the guys these days already go to school to the US. They go to, to pro- probably college, but more often high school as well. So they have the, the training, the proper training already from um, the US. But Dominic was trained entirely, obviously in the 80s and, and, and 70s in Europe. So he was the first 
European trained goalkeeper to win a Stanley Cup. And probably um, there aren't many anymore, unless you really have a talent coming out of whatever European countries. I've heard that there's a, a new influx of Finnish superstar goalkeepers um, in the NHL. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. And I don't know if they're actually trained in Finland. I'm going to dig into that because that's interesting. I never really thought about that, that generation, how hard it must have been to break into the NHL, which was such an advanced training system. It was the same for basketball, you know, with, with the Yugoslavian players and Tony Kukoc. And I mean, the, those guys kind of opened, again, uh, just like Bo Jackson in baseball, they opened the door to all the Europeans. I mean, if you look at the NBA now, you have all kinds of uh, ex-Yugoslavian uh, um, country players, Slovenians, Croatians, Serbians, um, Albanians, whatever the case may be. A, a lot of those guys, Spanish, needless to say, uh, uh, the Gasol brothers and, and so on and so forth, the Italians, et cetera, et cetera. But, but yeah, so, um, and the, the cool thing about him and what makes him really colorful is that he had a very um, interesting, uh, one-of-a-kind playing style, you know, and was stretching himself into these unusual positions, which was very um, not how, as I said, the American goalkeepers were trained. So that maybe was part of his success. And he holds a bunch of records and, and things like that. So I don't want to get into the details. But if you don't know who Dominic Hasek is, the, the dominator, you have to Google him. He's really a one of a kind character and, and very, very successful um, goalkeeper for for uh, a bunch of teams and for the NHL. And so I picked two watches for him. On the ice is the Panerai Luminor Submersible 1950 Carbon Tech. Nice. Very nice. That's a wearable watch if, you, if you've got to be moving around and throwing yourself about in all kinds of shapes. Yeah, good, right? good choice. Yeah, Right. It's light. It's sturdy. It's really an, an active watch. So it would be perfect. He can strap it on his, uh, on his uh, glove or, you know, wear it on his stick whatever you want and off the field i wanted to go with something more fancy so i went with the Varshon constantin patrimony mini tripeter ultra thin wow what a what a top piece that is yeah because he's a top guy he's a top dog of all the goalkeepers and uh you know work hard play hard right he has a, a very cool carbon tech watch on the ice but when he dresses up it's the end of practice or end of the game. Puts on his suit, puts on his uh, Varshon Constantin Patrimony Mini Tripeter Ultra Thin, and walks out the door. Wow, you really, uh, you really idolize this guy, don't you? It's really, I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, I like, I like him, or I liked him as a goalkeeper. As I said, that was my my favorite team. That's two thousand until two thousand three four uh, Detroit Red Wings. So. Yeah. Funny, uh, funny how we both went with goalkeepers initially. Um, with mm. my second pick, I went for the, the really obvious choice, the new kid on the block, not Sid the kid, but Connor McDavid, um, the Oilers superstar forward. And I have given him, to be quite succinct, the Artia son of a gun, simply because McDavid's shooting is... Uh, off the charts at the moment. His point scoring is uh, a really impressive pace. Of course, if he was ever going to catch the great one himself, he would have to have a hell of a long career and uh, and not have any down downtime. But um, right now, he's off to a great start. Uh, he's a hotshot striker. This Archie, son of a gun I've selected, has a high-grade steel 316L case. It has a dial 
which has been hand-set with real bullets, which are kind of a coppery colour. There's a few different types of the Son of a Gun model, and I thought I'd pick this because there's a lot of orange in McDavid's jersey, right? I was about to say, how much did Dave pay you to get the Oilers, to pick up a player from the Oilers? (laughs) Well, I do take bribes, but unfortunately one wasn't offered for this. I, I just, uh, I just did it for him. I, yeah, you know, Dave Sargent, our uh, e-commerce manager, is um, a huge Oilers fan, and we have to get him on the show at some point. He's, he's tried to be available to phone in to talk about the Oilers and some hockey for the last two episodes we've had, but life has conspired against him, and it hasn't been possible as yet. But he will, he will make it on. I'm sure we'll get some phoning guests before we reach our first live and in-person episode which we're going to debut for episode 10 as a little treat for all of our fans and followers who have stuck with us so far. So this, uh, this Son of a Gun, I mean, it's a pretty simple watch. Archie is all about artistic interpretations and uh, bringing like, ideas from other um, walks of life into watchmaking. It's a bit crazy. It's not mechanically complicated in the slightest, but it is a thing. And some people love these things. I don't know what McDavid would think of it. I'm sure that He'd happily accept one as a gift because they are retailing at 15,900 Swiss francs. Uh, there's only one of these particular pieces in the world. It's 44 millimeters wide. So he's going to be seen on the ice or off the ice with this on his wrist. And I think it's a decent choice for someone that makes his, uh, makes his hay shooting. And again, Oilers, of course. Of course, the Oilers. Righty ho, let's swing all the way over to Major League Baseball. I will kick us off with probably the best player uh, in the league at the moment and probably the best player of his generation, Mike Trout. So what do you know about Mike Trout, Balaj? Uh, he's got a funny name. Right. Uh, let's we, start with that. Let's start with that. and Let's stick with that, actually. <laughs> we could dig into his stats, but needless to say, Trout is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, there's no doubt about it. He might even be a unanimous selection. For the hole, which would be a, a real a real thing. Um, well, he needs to. Well, it's a long. He's it's what is he twenty eight, twenty nine years? He's not even thirty yet, is he? He's got a long way to go in his career yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. And he strikes me as the kind of guy that will play really late as long as injuries don't derail him. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, he plays for the Anaheim Angels. Do we call them the Anaheim Angels? Anyway? Los Angeles Angels. <laughs> the Los. Oh my god, showing my age. He plays for the Los Angeles Angels. I preferred the Anaheim Angels. They're not the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim anymore, are they? They're just the LA Angels. Right. Um, Mike Trout has a funny name. We could dig into his stat sheet, but this is not the time nor the place we're going to talk about his funny name. So I thought, okay, how can I find a watch that has trout on the dial? Like fish, okay? Oh, no. So I searched and I searched, and surprisingly, there are brands that will make you watches with fish on the dial. And I found a few from Richard Mill, and I found one from Custos, and they were so heinously ugly, I decided that was a stupid idea. And I should go in a different direction. So I thought about aquatic life. And I thought that the watch that springs to mind first is the MBNF HM7 Aquapod, um, which we actually mentioned in a previous show as a possible watch from Michael Jordan, the red one in particular. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I've given Mike Trout because it matches the Anaheim. Oh, goodness sake. It matches the Angels, the Los Angeles. <laughs> the Los Angeles. Angeles. Angels. 2021. It is 2021. It matches the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim's jersey. And uh, I I think it's fantastic. It's easily the best of what I believe is the best HM ever. So Mm. as you know, if you're a fan of 
MBNF, the Horological Machine series now has 10 iterations with various offshoots from those 10 different episodes. And the HM7 is the one that looks like a jellyfish. And it has a super domed sapphire crystal in this uh, orbital time display with a tourbillon sitting right in the middle of it, uh, which is really, really amazing. Um, what I like most about it, however, is what I refer to as the halo bezel. I called it a halo bezel in an article when it came out, and it's not an official term, I don't think. I can't find it on the website anywhere. I might have, I might have made it up. Someone else might have made it up. But how about that for divine provenance? It's the halo bezel for the angels. So it doesn't just match his jersey. It also matches the logo. And this, this particular version, this red dial version, is the best because they changed the numbers. Did you notice that? What do you mean, change the numbers? So originally, on the first editions that they did, and there was like yeah. a black bezel one in rose gold, and I think there was like a white gold one with a blue bezel, if memory serves. And then they did a green bezel one in either white gold or titanium, I think, or platinum mm-hmm. even. They all had their numbers printed on these rotating tracks, okay? And they were all yeah. luminous, and they looked awesome. But with the red edition, they made 3D loom-filled numbers. So it, it's a oh. completely different visage when you look at it from the top down. So the old ones looked bonkers enough, but these new ones have this real kind of sculptural form to them. The tracks on which these 3D numbers, which have been you know heavily filled with looms, so they glow up at night like a flare, aren't so obvious as the other ones. They're not black. They're kind of matched to the case material, so they're, they're grayed out metal. So it looks like these numbers have just been chucked in there, like higgledy-piggledy, because, of course, mm-hmm. the hour ring and the minute ring are moving at greatly different speeds. So you, you, your display is really, really changing physically much more than it was before. So for me, this is the best horological machine MBNF's ever made, and this is the best iteration of it, and it sits very comfortably on the wrist of the best baseball player of his generation. Okay, here's a plot twist, okay? Uh-huh. Because while you were talking, I just came up uh, with a watch for him as well. Okay, okay, good one. And I came up with the Casio DBA, uh, I think it's the DBA-800, aka the Note, which rem- it was, I think, in the 90s. It has like a record button, and in the middle of the case, there's a microphone that you can talk into it, and then, you know, it records your, your voice memo. That's awesome. Why have you chosen why? that Mike Trout? Yeah, why? Mike <laughs> Trout. <laughs> Mike. Okay, I have to say, I have to say, I saw, I saw a t-shirt of him with a microphone and a fish. And I was like, what is that? Mike Trout. So I said, okay, I need to find a watch with a microphone on it. So that could be his on-the-field watch, the Mike. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You've done my job for me again. Yes, that is his no on-field watch, his off-field watch when he's chilling out in Anaheim or mm. Los Angeles, whatever. They're close together. Probably Los Angeles. Probably yeah. Los Angeles, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he can wear the HM7 Aquapod in red. The best MBNF ever. 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 Okay, so my Major League Baseball player is uh, someone that's not in the league anymore, but again... We're talking about colorful characters, and he is a super colorful, funny, easygoing guy. He still is, because he's still alive. He's a young dude. And his name is Munenori Kawasaki, 
And Munenori Kawasaki, I think, became probably world famous because of his YouTube videos, not or YouTube um, interviews with him. Um, not because he was such a good player. He wasn't a bad, he was a decent guy, but um, his interviews are just epic. He doesn't really speak good English, but that doesn't really stop him from talking. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, you know, the conversation when you, when you watch these interviews, it's kind of like watching two separate videos at the same time. Because the guy, the reporter says something and he just answers something completely different and maybe not even in English. <laughs> but I, I actually read an interview with him in Japanese. I don't read Japanese, but I can do these things. And he doesn't really talk too much in Japanese either. He just gives like two, three sentences answers, but not 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 always connected to the question. So Munenori Kawasaki, he's a he's a shortstop or a second baseman. Um, um, he played for the Seattle Mariners. He played for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Chicago Cubs. And he was in Chicago in 2016, which means World Series champion. Indeed, not only that, but he's only one of only three Japanese players to have won World Baseball Classic. Uh, Japan Series and World Series. Wow! So during his career, that is amazing. So he won all three. Yeah, he's got like gold gloves and uh, golden gloves and all kinds of awards as well. Awesome. And you know that really uh, what, as I said, what made him really worldwide a uh, famous worldwide is is his, his interviews on YouTube. And you can you can search for a Kawasaki interview or Kawasaki um, like the bike brands. It's easy to to type. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays. You don't know if he's joking or if he really does not get the question what the reporter is asking. He's he's super funny, and um, I I have one favorite. As a, there's an epic one where he he yells, "My name is," uh, I think he yells something like, "My name is Munenori Kawasaki. I'm from Japan. I'm Japanese." <laughs> and then the, the crowd go, they just go crazy. Well, there you go. Yeah, sport, the international language. We all know what he's saying when he steps up. Oh, yeah. Plate, eh? He's 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 really a super funny guy. So, two watches on the baseball field. He needs to wear the new, and of course, he's Japanese. So, of course, I'm not giving him a Japanese watch. Oh, that would be too easy. easy. Yeah. So he's getting the new Doxa Sub 300 Carbon in one of the six colors. I hope because the Doxa has it in blue, which. Okay, it's navy blue, it's dark blue, so it doesn't necessarily fit the, the Toronto Blue Jays, but it does fit the Cubs, Chicago, colors. Or he can have it in orange, or he can have it in black or gray, whatever he wants. And, you know, I think that's just a, just a very cool watch. We talked about carbon before. I kind of mentioned this. Uh, spoiler alert. The Doxa. Yeah, so that's his on-the-court watch. Doxa with the rubber strap, you know, tone-on-tone -tone, uh, rubber strap, so maybe the dark blue dial with the dark blue rubber strap and the black car uh, forged carbon case. Do you think we can convince Doxa to put some nice red hands on there, though, so that it really yeah. vibes with that uniform, that Cubs uniform? Because that would look For sharp. Sure. That would look super For sure. Sharp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we could even put a, base a little baseball or even the Cubs logo where the Aqualung logo is supposed to be. Oh, no, that would, the, oh, uh, that would seven be fire. Position. That would be amazing because the Cubs logo would work there better than 90 nine percent of the other logos in the league well that's all right because it's just a c right it's a very it's an initialized c it's a very cool easy logo oh, maybe we should talk to doxer about that i'm sure the chicago cubs would buy one of those oh and i'm sure they're listening but he's not playing there anymore he went back to japan he had because uh, he's japanese he played, he's japanese he played four seasons uh from 2012 to 2016 with the mariners the blue jays and the cubs so 
Wow. Yeah, he's a super funny guy. I love it when these athletes come in uh, and have relatively short but very explosive careers in the pros and they walk away with a championship. A completely different end to the what is a nice story about Kawasaki. Um, I read about Brandon Browner, cornerback, former cornerback of the Seahawks, Patriots, Saints as well, um, and how he won two Super Bowls in five years and five years in the NFL. He did have a longer career in the uh, CFL before that, but now he's in jail for attempted oh. murder. So, you know, oh. sad times. Well, when we talk about, you know, lucky players, there's Robert Ori. Yeah. If you don't know Robert Ori, he he had a career spanning from 1992 in the NBA uh, till 1990, I'm sorry, uh, 2008. So he had a fairly long career, but the guy was so lucky. He wasn't, you know, <laughs> the best player of his team by far he's a seven time nba champion so right seven Ari, who did he win these with let me think he was with the same team from 92 to, until 96 so guess the team okay so okay so in that case he must have won his first two with the rockets yep and then and then he moved in 96 he moved to another team until 97 and then from 97 he went to another team and he was there until 2003 so the lakers mhm he's he's part of the the three peat with Shaq and Kobe so, so that puts he was him with on the five. lakers 97 to 2003 that's 5 and then in 2003 this lucky son of a gun was traded and he stayed with the team until 2008. So that must be San Antonio then. So he played for four teams, Houston Rockets, Phoenix Suns, Lakers, Spurs, two championships, none, three, two. Wow, I bet, Seven the, uh, NBA champions. I bet the Phoenix Suns feel like they got absolutely screwed out of that one. <laughs> I mean, wow. come on, talk, talk to me about lucky players. And he was a good player, no doubt about that, but he was not a seven-time champion lucky player. Well, you know, talking about players that won um, championships on multiple teams, you should go back to your man, Deion Sanders. Um, yeah. Because Deion was, uh, he was originally an Atlanta Falcon, and uh, the Falcons were never going to win much, even with Deion in the team. He ended up heading to San Francisco to play for the 49ers, where he won a championship with Steve Young at quarterback. And then he was immediately traded, I think through free agency actually, high-profile free agent acquisition, to the Cowboys and won a championship that next, that very same year. So he won back-to-back -back with two different teams. And that hasn't happened many times at all. It happened with Brandon Browner, who is now incarcerated, as mentioned. And it also, I think it happened with, I think Chris Long might have done it with the Patriots and the Eagles. I'm not, I'm mm -hmm. not entirely sure, but I think he did it back-to-back. -back. And if our readers know any other back-to-back -back with different team champions, maybe LeGarrette Blunt as well, actually. I think he might have done it with well, the Patriots and the Eagles. Wasn't one on the, on the Buccaneers team this year? There was one guy who was with the Chiefs last year? Uh, I, I must have read something similar. Yeah, that does ring a bell, actually, but I, I, I don't have a name off the top of my head. So if our readers know, or our listeners even... Please leave a comment on the article and fill us in, and we will uh, we'll name drop you next time we're in the smooth booth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, where did we get up to? Yeah, Robert Ori and, and uh, lucky players who, uh, who, you know, as you said, won a championship and then they leave the team and the league even. Um, yeah, so Kawasaki left the, the league in 2016 after the, the World Series win with the Cubs. But so, on the field... New Doxa Sub 300 Carbon in six colors, 10 iterations, 
plenty of uh, choices for him. But of course, he's Japanese. So off the court or off the field, I have to go Japanese. And I go with the Minase Divido. That, my friend, is a perfect choice. My favorite Minase, um, something very special, one of the most complex mm-hmm. cases with more angles than you can shake a stick at in the whole industry. Just absolutely gorgeous. Just uh, a thing of beauty. The bracelet itself as well is um, about as complicated as most watches are in their entirety. It's a really genius setup, isn't it? Like the way that the links are disassembled via a screw on the back. So you've got this like flawless visage. You know what would be really nice? If Hmm? Minaze released a DeVito with a rich royal blue dial and a little bit of Mm -hmm. red on there somewhere. Now that would look really fine with a Toronto Blue Jays jersey. It would look really fine with a Chicago Cubs jersey for that matter. So, you know, let's maybe not hold our breath. Keep checking for telewatches.com, especially this week. You never know. You might see something like that drop. Oh, yeah? Maybe. I kid, I, I, I kid you not, this was not in my head when I picked this watch. But now that, you, now that you're talking about it, yeah. It does sound like yeah, we just you, leave you that should, one in there, but you know. You guys should come back because this comes out on a Sunday, so... When are we releasing it? Uh, Monday. Well, there you go. So make sure you guys check for Tello tomorrow morning. We're going to leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. We've got something very nice in store for you. Moving on. Excellent choice, by the way. Really, really nice. Uh, One of the the most underrated watches in the industry. We obviously love it. You'll see why tomorrow. Fernando Tatis Jr. is my pick. He comes up quite frequently when we talk about baseball because I'm really enamored of him. I think he's one of the greatest young talents uh, playing for your team, San Diego. I have given this young man a, a watch that I think really matches his talents. Um, So there's a few reasons behind this one. So I started with Slam Diego, which is the nickname of the team at the moment. Okay. They're going to be Slam Diego for a long time because Tatis Jr. has just signed a new 14-year contract extension worth $340 million before the start of a 2021 season. These baseball contracts are nuts, right? But Just one second before you continue. Who was your player in the NHL for the Oilers? Uh, Economic David. You know how much he's making this year, last year? No. Guess the number oh. compared to the three hundred forty million. Well, I, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that much without you asking me this question. But I'm going to say four hundred million then, according to Google, one million. One million. Uh, salary in twenty twenty one, according to Google, one million USD. The base salary is one million dollars, but every year his signing bonus is twelve million because of the cap. Okay, so that works out as... Um, His base is like this. In 2018, he started, right? 2018-19 season. 2018, 2 million, 1 million, 1 million, 2 million, 1 million, 1 million, 3 million, 3 million. That's the base salary. Uh-huh. And then a signing bonus for each year, 2018 starting, 13, 13, 12, 13, 11, 10, 7, 7. Oh, those 7 million years really suck. They suck hard. Yeah, signing bonus. Wow. So he's getting like 80 million out of the 100 as a signing bonus in eight years. Meanwhile, his base salary is like a million a year. Okay, so there's still worlds apart between the hockey salaries and the uh, MLB, but the MLB has always been crazy. I mean, Tatis's uh, salary works out as 24.3, roughly 24.285 million per year over that 14 year but it won't be paid like in that way it'll be front loaded i guess so we'll get most of it up you know in over the first few years and it'll dwindle like connor's does with his signing bonus going down to a paltry seven million a year 
in the back end of his contract. But I always find it a bit odd that baseball has these contracts that are so much bigger than even NFL contracts are nowhere near this normally. Normally, they get into that level now, maybe with a couple of the really high flying quarterbacks like Mahomes signed a 10 year deal, which was just stratospheric in comparison to previous previous QBs. But really, I think those sports like football and hockey that are far more violent and far more impacting, I would say, on the body and likely to result in shorter careers should really, you know, dish out the cash early. And these baseball players, they can sign longer deals. Well, we talked about this, didn't we? The average, an average football player is in the league versus how long a basketball player is in the league, like 10 years, six years, five years. And I think the shortest is by far football player. It's like four, four, four years. I think that's the average length of a, of a football player career yeah and, and de- basketball's like eight or nine or something like that and depending on the position it can be it can be nothing you know like running yeah. backs they they cycle through running backs like nobody's business so anyway you know it's not it's not our bone to pick is it really but what? Yeah, oh no but and then there's the bobby bonilla uh contract from baseball i think who's not <laughs> what when did he stop playing like 20 years ago and he's still cashing three three million dollar checks until 2030 because his contract was like crazy long yeah well they do some creative things don't they especially with these salary caps now and the nfl has a salary cap restriction this year it's lower than it has been in previous years and uh, teams are doing some very creative stuff on the contract side of things you know spreading out money into futures payments and bonuses and all kinds of different things and cutting players and re-signing them on slightly restructured deals to make room in the cap to bring together a decent team that can compete. It's a complicated thing. It's a science really in itself. And uh, there are people that make a lot of money um, behind the scenes pulling those strings. So check this out. Bobby Bonilla still gets paid uh, $1.2 million every year. And he's been retired over two decades now. I mean, that's, that's a good how gig. messed up his contract was. I mean, I, yeah, messed up for the team, but pretty sweet for, for Bobby. The I mean, that's yeah, cool. oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, after a number of on and off field controversies, the Mets decided to part ways with their uh, aging third baseman in 1999 with 5.9 million still remaining on his contract. But instead of agreeing to pay off the money upfront, the Mets decided to defer the payments until 2011 in order to keep the team financially stable for the near future. Bonilla's agent had tabled an exit deal whereby the payments incurred an annual interest rate of 8 percent to break it down the 5.9 million that that was owed to vanilla subsequently skyrocketed skyrocketed to 29.8 million wow the new york mets a, new york a, case, a case study in how not to do business good grief from 6 million to 30 million i mean bite that bullet orange and blue come on get it done jeez yep nuts there you go well so tatis jr um, he's a very wealthy young man. He's one of the greatest talents uh, to enter the league in recent years. I think he's got a glittering career ahead of him. I hope he stays healthy and has a has a, a great run out over the next decade and a half, two decades. He's only 22, so he's got a long, long time ahead of him. I was thinking about this nickname, Slam Diego, which obviously is short for Grand Slam Diego. And that led me to thinking about tennis, because obviously we have Grand Slams in tennis. And it took me straight to another prodigy, um, who's a well-known ambassador for a certain watch brand. I'm not talking about Federer and Rolex here. No way. Although you Djokovic. and I... Oh, I'm not going Djokovic either. Although you and I love Federer um, for his silky skills, he's a bit buttoned up 
for the vibrant vitality of uh, Tatis Jr., in my opinion. So my mind went to Rafa, of course, and his long line of Richard Mills that he uh, famously wears while playing. Actually, he does wear them on court. And of that lineup, I picked the RM2703, which is a manual winding tourbillon, Rafael Nadal, that's the full title of it. And that's the one that looks like a pear drop or a rhubarb and custard sweet, you know, the yellow and red quartz TPT case. Mm-hmm. That's the one I remember. I think it's the best one he's ever worn. I think it's absolutely awesome. Uh, it's the colors of the Spanish flag, of course. It has a load of really exciting movement features, like this weird high-speed barrel that's supposed to improve like the, the delta curve of timekeeping. But the best thing about it is it's able to withstand shocks of up to 10,000 Gs. And I thought, well, that's awesome because he can wear it on his wrist and he can just club balls out of the park and he has nothing to worry about. That was a justification for Rafa wearing it while he was playing tennis as well, of course. But I, I don't even don't even know if that really matters. It doesn't even have to be running. I'm sure he's not checking the time when he's deep in a five-set battle against his nemesis on the court. So, um, Also, Tatis Jr. has a Dominican background. And as you probably know, what would become the Dominican Republic was claimed for Spain by none other than Christopher Columbus in 1492. So I don't know if Tatis Jr. has Spanish or indigenous Taino ancestry or a mixture of both, but the influence of Spanish colonization on the culture of the Dominican Republic still extends to this day, of course. So I reckon that him and Nadal would be pretty good buddies and have a lot in common. Nadal might fancy lending Tatis Jr. one of his very own RM2703s to take on to the diamond. Why not, eh? Why not? And if you know your geography, you know that the Dominican Republic is obviously an island but it's an island split in the middle, right? So the right side is the Dominican Republic. The left side is Haiti. So you have the same people, half of them speaking Spanish, half of them speaking French. Crazy stuff. Let's see what the NBA throws up. I will drop a quick one to start with. Mm-hmm. I went for Muggsy Bogues because he is obviously a bit of an Your size. He's, he's, he's even shorter than me, but that is why, yeah. Because like growing up as a small basketball player, I idolized him. I didn't have one of his jerseys. I had, I think I had an Alonzo Morning jersey. I did have a Hornets jersey Ooh. in those days. Um, it was just whatever was on sale at the uh, sports shop at Christmas, I think. But I liked the colors and I liked, I liked him. So uh, Muggsy is 160 centimeters tall. Okay, so that's really short. That's five foot three. Uh, he's even shorter than Spud Webb, who's five six. Muggsy was. Is he? Yeah. Is, is he the shortest ever? I mean, I guess, I guess he is. I don't know if he's the shortest ever. I think he's definitely the shortest uh, in our era. He's the shortest player ever to play in the National Basketball Association at 5 feet 3 inches, 1.6 meters. Yeah. yeah so true. it is Muggsy. He is the shortest ever. Uh, he played point guard, unsurprisingly, um, at that height. He was drafted 12 overall in the 1987 NBA draft by the Washington Bullets, as they were known then. And he eventually wound up playing most of his career for the Charlotte Hornets, a team which fell out of existence and has come back to life now, thankfully. Great team. Doing very good this year with the the smallest ball brother. Yeah, it is odd how the Hornets have sort of managed to make themselves contenders again. And uh, I think they'll struggle to go deep into the playoffs. But, you know, if they get there, anything could happen. Anything could happen. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so Muggsy's not a particularly imposing character, but he's uh, a very characterful one. And he's famous, aside from his on-court skills, also for his on-screen skills, and he was one of the most popular and memorable characters from Space Jam, the smash hit Warner Brothers movie in the 1990s. And the Space Association got me thinking, I've got to go down the obvious route here. I'm going to give him an Omega Speedmaster. Speedmaster! 
I heard that in the background. Yeah, the Speedmaster 105.003. Okay, does that reference ring a bell? 105.003? Yep. The, uh, the, the non-professional. That's right. It is famous because it was on whose wrist? Ed White. Correct. And yeah. what's the diameter of this case off the top of your head? 19 on the logs and 39 overall. Good grief. You knew the log width as well. Yeah. Amazing. 39.5 millimeter case, 19 millimeter lugs. It's a smaller case than the modern Speedmaster Moonwatch case, which is 42 mil. Um, it doesn't have any crown guards, the 105003, which helps keep it small on the wrist as well. I would suggest that Muggsy takes this watch and he flips the bracelet for a Comfit, JB Comfit, uh, for a classic look and also to help with uh, the lug drop-off. So, you know, the good thing about the Comfort bracelet is that it has expandable end links, so it will fit that 19mm lug width, which is a bit awkward for modern strap um, mm-hmm. changes. And also, the bracelet drops right down, so you don't have any protrusion from the end link. My wrists are 165 centimeters, so pretty small. And one of the problems I have with wearing standard bracelets that come on watches is that the end link means that the lug-to-lug length is... Uh, extended even further. The watch is a lot longer on the wrist than it needs to be. So I have five of my watches, no less, on Forstner Comfit bands. Because of this, it drops down immediately. It means the watch head sits nice and central on the wrist, and I can adjust that bracelet, which is a gorgeous, comfortable, non-hair-pulling mesh to whatever length I need it to be, and I can go. And that, for me, is the perfect watch for Muggsy. It's a very nice pick, I have to say, because we haven't picked any we, we, I mean, we picked a lot of interesting watches and lavish, expensive, you know, auto luxury pieces. But we, you, you picked the Explorer too. But there weren't many Breitlings. There weren't many IWCs, and especially not Omega. So, okay, it was a Doxa, and here and there something uh, interesting. But that's a very cool pick, I have to say, and uh, I like it. I like it. I like Muggsy. He's a he was a fun player. I liked him when he played for the Raptors the last two seasons or three seasons. Uh, uh, 2000, 1999 to 2001 in his career. Um, yeah, okay, I, I can see that. Um, so I guess it's my turn now. It is. Um, and well, you can't see it, but Rob can see that I'm I'm wearing a very special jersey today. It's a rare jersey because it's a, a vintage uh, champion. So it's a an OG jersey from the let's see 1999 2000 something like that um and it's a jersey a purple los angeles lakers jersey with 73 on the front so you guys already know if you're into basketball that 73 um with the lakers it's only one guy maybe not one guy but one guy definitely at the end of the 90s and that was dennis rodman who's well a very colorful character right the most colorful character i would say in, in yeah in every sense of the word uh, um he was a um a character uh on and off the court he was colorful his personality was his hair was his body was i think um probably can do you think we can say that rodman was the one who started this uh tattoo craze in the nba cuz you know players had tattoos before but he was like covered in tattoos and or when iverson as well uh, a couple of years after, yeah, I would. Say, I think it's fair to say that Rodman, um, well, m- maybe not normalized it, but he certainly brought it to uh, a, yeah. a bigger market than ever before. I mean, Rodman was one of the most visible players throughout the nineties in his time with the Bulls, especially. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Iverson was was, was following yeah. the, the trail he blazed. So Dennis Rodman, the Worm, uh, as the nickname goes, well, I think it's the only nickname, the Worm. Uh, he's a five-time champion, two with Detroit, three with the Bulls. And I have to say, he's a champion on and off the court. Madonna, Carmen Electra, <laughs> Kim Jong-un. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you he's really... got very interesting, very interesting friends. He's a professional. Do you know he was a professional wrestler? I mean, he was, you know, he did these wrestling stints, but he was actually a professional professional wrestler as well. And uh, he's a he's a, a fan of Pearl Jam. He was in a couple of Pearl Jam videos. Yeah, so he's, as I said, he's a super colorful person. And there are so many crazy stories about him, from from head butting a mascot to breaking his own. Uh, Crown jewel. Oh, yeah. Three times. Three times. Yeah. Uh, less said about that, the better, I think. Uh, there is a separate podcast that we're going to do focusing on exactly <laughs> that. But yeah, not here. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have his book, Bad As I Want to Be. It's, a, it's worth the read if you want to uh, dive into the, the Dennis Rodman story. But anyways, he's a Hall of Famer from Dallas, Texas. Uh, he went to Southeast Oklahoma State, a really small uh, university. but. Four on the court, I had to go with an auto luxury piece, and that's the Urwerk UR106. And while Rob pulls that up, let me tell you that I don't think that Rodman is the, the diamond encrusted type of guy, but the UR106 has um, a black case with purple and neon green numbers <laughs> and black diamonds. And I think that would be the perfect fit for him. I think, what do you think? Yeah, I think that suits him to a T because there's like uh, there's a blue moon phase in there as well, isn't there, at six o'clock? And there's a lime green 60 at the end of the minute track. Uh, just snuck in there right on the uh, left-hand side. And the black diamonds aren't really that overt at all. You know, they're, they're just studded around the case. Um, it looks more like a surface finish than it does dripping with stones, as it were. Even the crown is studded with diamonds as well. But, um, I mean, awesome choice. It suits him absolutely perfectly. Um, I'm sure he's had those colors in his hair in the past. And, uh, yeah, I love it. Probably. And, you know, one of his former teammates, uh, Michael Jordan, he, he's a, an Urver guy. I mean, I think he has a couple of pieces. So. Um they could strike up a conversation about Ulver. Yeah, I don't think Rodman struggles to start a conversation with anyone, um, does he? No. And I don't think you can follow when he starts to talk to you. No, so. no, he's uh, he's an interesting, he's just so interesting, fascinating as a character to watch. And yeah, I'd love to be in the same room as him and, and listen to him talk. I don't think I'd have much of interest to share with him, but yeah, what a dude. Yeah, so that's his on-court watch and for off the court i went with another auto luxury brand sadly a defunct brand these days <gasps> that's the hyt and i picked any watch from the sue now collection oh cool well you know i'm a, because i'm a big fanboy so i'll accept that i know why did you pick it yeah me too me too i love i love hyt i love the the people there um i was lucky enough to to be um some events with them um there was so much fun and uh chloe and all the guys and uh yeah the sue now collection is the one with the very colorful rubber straps cases and then there's um a skull and the time um indication basically 
goes around the skull. The capillary, the uh, the glass capillary. Basically, yeah, yeah. The the the, the tube goes like around the, the skull. So um, any basically from the Suna collection, or all, any or all, he could wear them. Or all, or all, even better. Yeah, would be a perfect fit for Dennis Rod. Yeah, that is awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, I don't imagine it standing up to Rodman's lifestyle for very long. I could imagine that he'd have it on for about 20 minutes before he found himself in a hot tub, surrounded by Carmen Electra, Madonna, and Kim Jong on. Oh, no. <laughs> Get the right You one. know he's a grandfather now. Uh, well, Dennis Rodman. Uh, Dennis Rodman, this is he. Great. Okay. Um, who, who's... Can you imagine Dennis Rodman as a grandfather? What an icon to look up to. <laughs> Can I sit on your knee, Grandpa? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Get up here. Yeah, Get up here. Be careful not to sit on my crown jewels because I broke them three times <laughs> with Aunt Madonna. They obviously still work, you know, or at least they worked for long enough. Oh, grandfather, crazy stuff. I wonder if he'll start dyeing his hair gray. Not quite gone gray yet, has he? Uh, okay. Um, Dennis Rodman, what a legend. What a great couple of watches to go for as well. Um, I will round out the round the league selection with the antithesis of. Dennis Rodman. Uh, I went back to my childhood to find my favorite player, uh, which, of course, if you know me, was a legendary Dream Team superstar point guard for the Utah Jazz, John Stockton, uh, who is the uh, probably the most like uh, vanilla and conservative player on court in comparison to D Rod. Um, not related to Mike Stockton. <laughs> not related to Mike Stockton. Well, at least we don't think he is. If if he we is. don't think, yeah, Mike's kept that very quiet. Um, you should be proud of it if he is. When I played basketball, I modeled my my game on Stockton and my character as well. I had a lot of time for his quiet but determined demeanor on court, and uh, I missed the days that athletic heroes looked like John Stockton. You know, <laughs> like just like a, a mailman or like a, you know a, a dude on the street, like just sweeping his drive. Uh, just happens to sort of put some short shorts on and hit the boards and be a superstar. It's the same in the NFL. Like when you look at the QBs from the 80s, like Montana's hairstyle and uh, Elway and players like Steve Grogan, you know, Steve Grogan was a superstar. New England Patriots quarterback for years. Crazy stuff. It's like shocking haircuts, teeth all over the place, oddly skinny legs in Montana's case, but like real, like true grit, genuineness. And uh, I always find them very relatable. And Stockton was that for me. So I wanted to give him a watch that is super nice, super classy, but not too in your face, not too showy, because I wouldn't imagine he'd enjoy that. So I gave him, and I think this is perfect. Okay, so I want you to picture John Stockton in the, uh, you can choose either the the purple or the whites, but that era of Utah Jazz jerseys that had the mountain on the jersey, so not the notes, the mountain era. It was sort of uh, Stockton Malone classics. And I gave him the Nomos Glassiter Club Campus 38 millimeter Spirit limited edition, purple dial, uh, limited to 22 pieces, made for cool hunting just uh, last year for the Trevor Project, which is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization for LGBTQ young people. And $100 from each watch was donated to the cause. Pretty cool reason to have a a watch and a cherry. Awesome collab from Nomos. Brilliant, brilliant design as usual. And the purple dial has actually got turquoise accents that are about as perfect a match as is possible for that iconic Utah Jazz jersey. What do you think? It, you know, it is the perfect fit. Really, it's the perfect match. the The colors are just amazing, just like the jersey. I'm glad you like it very much. Yeah, um, I have a little trivia 
for you again. Oh, great, great! I almost got John, out of John Stockton. I almost got out of the uh, of the episode without being humiliated live on air. No, 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 not not nothing like that. So, um, you know, John Stockton is from Washington. He's not from Utah, right? He has a big family. He has, um, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six kids. One of them is called Houston Stockton. Wow, that's that's a weird name. Strong name. So he's got a lot of kids, yeah. but that's not not the um, not the, um, the 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 thing that I want to talk about. I want to talk about one of his sons. Guess the name of his son. Uh, he's got a son called Michael. He has Michael Stockton. Yeah. indeed. Also, do you do you indeed? And do you know Michael Stockton, who is thirty-one years old, and uh, he's now playing, if my information is correct, in France? What was or which was his very first professional contract? It was actually with which team. It was actually with Karlsruhe, where you live, <laughs> which is just a bizarre coincidence. Yep, um, and I have friends. <laughs> Here, who told me that they remember seeing John Stockton coming to watch his son's game? No way. When he came to Kasra, and I have to say, the Kasra Lions, there are there are the Lakers and the Celtics and those Seventy Sixers and those teams, and then you have the bad or not so successful NBA teams, and then you have the very good European basketball teams like the Barcelonas and you know and and and. Uh, the Galatasarays and things like that. And then you have the not-so-successful European basketball teams, and then you have my team. <laughs> so one of the players actually is living literally a block away from me because I see his car parked at the, in front of the, my house at the parking lot with the big Lions logo. So um, It's not, not the most successful team, but uh, the, the Castle Lions. But he started his professional career right here in this city as I said, I have friends who remember going to the games, probably them and 15 other people. Um, and okay, probably not, you know, not every week, but once or twice, John Stockton came over to, to, to check up on his son and he came to the games. Oh, that is some excellent trivia that you dropped right at the close of the, sh- of the show. Cha-ching. Excellent yes. trivia. Excellent stuff. Yeah. And I'm kind of jealous of your buddies that got to see John Stockton. I would love to meet him. I think he's just a stand-up dude from everything I know about him. And uh, yeah, he still holds a special place in my heart. I love that era of basketball. Loved it. Shame we never got a championship, but if he had, then Jordan would have one or two less. So Yeah. He was a champion of hearts. He was a champion of hearts. So, uh, you know, he's a champion of my heart. And with that, let's end the podcast. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. Thanks once again for joining us for Wasp 5.0. It's been a pleasure to have you here with us. We hope you will join us again next week when we will be welcoming our very first phone-in guest. That's right, Ben Hodges of FratelloWatches.com is going to join us to discuss the start of the Formula One season. Until next time, stay safe and keep on ticking.